Let me invite you to take your Bibles. Let's go over to Colossians chapter 1. Our uh, text this morning is uh, verses 9 to 14. Colossians 1, uh, 9 to 14, under the title this morning of What to Pray for People You Love. Follow along here as I read. It says this, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Precious Father, we ask you to take what is on the pages here in our copy of God's Word and illumine it to our minds and hearts, illumine it to my own mind and heart, even this morning as I uh, declare what you have placed within my soul for the people of College Park. And I ask that in Jesus' name that you would peel away the blinders of our eyes, the callous of our hearts that creates a resistance to your word. And I pray that today we would begin to pray God-saturated prayers, the kind of prayers that are reflective of this text and the kind of prayers that your heart loves. So help us to pray literally like you would. And we ask you to give us faith to believe that you can reach the heart of someone today who we are brokenhearted over And so, God, empower our faith, give us understanding, and help us to know how to apply this text. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What you pray for reveals what you love. You know that, right? If you're a Sunday school teacher, you know that, because when you ask for a prayer request and a little boy or girl says, pray for my dog Libby. You know that the little boy or girl loves the dog. If that happens in an adult class, we got a problem, right? So uh, pray, we pray for what we love. One of my um, interesting roles uh, in our former church, Calvary, was um, I got to pray uh, with parents uh, at a golf marathon. It was a fundraiser for our school ministry. And so um, about 30 or 40 couples would make their rounds all around a golf course and then they'd come to a particular place that I was on a tee box, and as they would pull up in their cart, we would spend some time praying for their kids. It was a great uh, pastoral opportunity to invest in them and to pray for them. And so a mom or dad would pull up, and I'd stop and say, hey, want well, to take a few moments and pray for your kids. What's on your heart? How can we pray for your kids? And you know, that question is really like a window to a soul. Do you know that? How can I pray for your kids? Because with one couple, for instance, they would say something like this. Mark, we just we want our son Luke to honor Christ. We we want him to to be a godly young man. We want him to be pure. We want him to, to grow in godliness. And we just want to be the best possible parents that we possibly can for him. Can you pray about that? I'm like, yeah, we can pray about that. And so we prayed about that. And there were some sweet moments. 
And then there was a couple times during that golf marathon that my heart also just kind of sank. Because a dad would come up and I'd say something like this. And you know what? Um, some of you dads probably relate to this. I would say something like, how can we pray for your son? And a dad would say, yeah. health and safety. And then I'd say something like, anything else? You know, maybe? Bigger, you know, kind of, anything else we can pray for? And he's like, yeah, pretty much just health and safety. I'm like, all right, well, let's pray for health and safety. And I would. One of the reasons that I've got you memorizing Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10, is that I want you to understand there's a treasure trove of things that we can pray for people. And to be very candid with you, if all you can think about to pray for your children is just simply health and safety, then we need to do some work at really digging into what the Bible describes as how to pray God's sweeping, spirit-empowered prayers, because there's a lot more to pray about than just health and safety. Now, believe me, I'm not against praying for health and safety, because my kids need safety. I mean, seriously, they need safety. So I pray for safety, but here's the thing. That is not all I pray for. And I want to suggest to you that when you make Christ the core of your life, when he becomes central, that's the theme of what we're talking about in the series on Colossians. When Christ becomes the center, here's what will happen. Your prayers will change. You will pray differently. You will pray in a way that reflects, I think, more the tone, the heart, the extent of what God wants us to pray so that that health and safety, yeah, that's a good thing to start with, but if that's all we pray for, I want to suggest to you we are missing an enormous amount of spiritual resources and desires that God wants us to pray for. So the question this morning then is, what do we pray for people we love? And when Jesus becomes the core, your prayers will change. They will be more reflective of the person and work of Christ, more reflective of His desires and His heart, more reflective of what the Scriptures define for us as the heart and the soul of spiritual maturity. So what do you pray for people you love? You pray this, you pray God-centered prayers. Or in this text, one prayer. And the one prayer in this text that we're going to talk about this morning is this. God, I pray that they would know you so their lives would please you. That's what's here. And this morning, I want to call you to pray that for people you love. I want this little text in your Bible, Colossians 1, 9, and 10, to be a go-to text that when you think of your kids, when you think of people you love, that you pray this over them. Because this is the inspired Word of God. This is the prayer of the Apostle Paul. And this is something I think that God wants us to pray for people we love. At the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to come and even pray specifically for people who you love, who you look at that prayer and think or say something like this in your heart, God, I just want them to know you. Because my son or my daughter, they don't know you. They think they know you, but they don't know you. And to be able to come and pray and just seek God in a fresh and new way, and maybe we have some elders here ready to pray for you afterwards, and just agree together, God, you know where they are, go get them. You know what's going on in the heart as we, as we sang here earlier. Open those blind eyes. Unlock those deaf ears. And hear us from heaven. That's what we're going to do today. Hear us, God. And so this morning I want to dial in as to why this prayer is so important and how we can pray it in fresh and new ways. I want to help you pray God-centered prayers for people you love. 
beginning here in verse 9, the prayer begins this way. This is my summary. It's my attempt to kind of bring clarity into what is being said here. It begins with this, that they would know you. Look at verse 9. And so, Paul says, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The last time we were in Colossians, two weeks ago, we saw that Paul told this church why he was praying for them. Remember that? There are things like faith in Christ, their, 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 their love for the saints, their hope in heaven. Remember the whiteboard, little faith, hope, the, the stick guy? Remember that? Now in verses 9 to 14, he's telling them what he's praying for. And at first, when you uh, look at the text, uh, verses 9 all the way through 14, it looks like there's like five or six things that Paul is praying for here. Doesn't it look like that? you got strength of the Almighty, you got spiritual power, you got good fruit, understanding. But there aren't five or six things. There's one thing he's praying for. And then there's like four or five derivatives of that one thing that Paul is asking for. There's one thing, but it is so sweeping, so vast, and so powerful, so unbelievably glorious, that everything else in the text flows from it. And the singular prayer that Paul prays for them, and the thing that I want you to pray for someone you love, is this. God, help them to have the knowledge of your will. Or being translated, help them to know you. The reason why it's important to translate that is when I say the word God's will, we often think of things in the future. In fact, if I were to say to you, hey, pray for God's will in my life, you might wonder, well, what decision does he have to make? Uh, What's going on? He's going to make a decision? Because usually we think about God's will, and we ask for prayer about God's will. It's about a decision we need to make in the future. So the word will is a bit of a problem in that respect. But that's not what the word will here means alone. It doesn't just mean future. No, it means something different than that. The word will means desires. It means want. It means what you love or what you cherish. It can be translated as something that is wished for or something that is desired. It's it's the word that that Paul uses in Colossians 4.12 describing Epaphras' love for them that he prayed that they would stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. So that they'd stand in the will of God. What does it mean? It means that to know the will of God means that you know Him such that you know what He wants. You know Him so you know what He desires. So you know Him so that life comes in your, the stuff comes in your life and you see it through the lens of, oh, I know what God wants. He wants this. You, you see life through the lens of God and it just makes sense. Oh, this is what He wants. And do you see why it's so valuable to pray for Someone you love? God, help them to see life through the lens of what you want. Help them to see money and and love and dating and and the career and to see all of it through what you want. So will equals what you want or desire or love or cherish. And when you know somebody, listen, when you know someone, you know what they want. For instance, when I go to a restaurant, I can nearly guess what my wife's going to order. And a minimum, I can get her the right beverage. Is it soda or Coke or pop here? What is it? 
<laughs> you don't know. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. Good. All right. So whether it's a soda, pop, or Coke, it's a Diet Coke. So when she's, I'm going to order a Diet Coke because I know her, and I know what her will is. For me, in a couple, um, uh, about a month or so, we're going to be on vacation, and we go camping in northern Michigan. And for me, like the ultimate relaxing moment camping is this. I'm seated at about 6.30 in the morning around a crackling fire in northern Michigan with my canvas chair, a warm cup of coffee, and the newspaper. It's like nirvana. I mean, it's just like, oh, this is awesome. In fact, I get the, the smell of newspaper just makes me feel relaxed. I mean, it's just so great. So a couple of Father's Days ago, my kids gave me this little plastic baggie, and it had like $7 worth of quarters in it. And I looked at it, and I, and I looked at them, and I said, what is this for? And they said, Dad, those are quarters so you can buy a newspaper every day on vacation. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you guys are all having ice cream every day, you know. So, no, I didn't say that. But my heart was just, just overflowing with gratitude because they, they know what my will is, right? They know Dad, and they know what Dad desires. And so they could look at life, and they could see it through the lens of what he wills another example uh the other couple weeks ago i came home and sarah was just so overjoyed with one of our boys and she just said mark you are not going to believe what one of our boys did i said what tell me she said i was not feeling well i was napping but a hard day and uh left the dishes all in the kitchen after lunch went up just took a nap and and i came down and he had cleaned up all the dishes washed them put them away the kitchen was straightened up perfectly she came down and it was almost like you could hear music you know, coming down. It was like the perfect mom moment. And she's like, who did this? Who did this? And, you know, one of our says, I did. I mean, she was just like, you, I love you. And she came home and sung his praises. So here's what he did. He saw the need. He knew mom's will. And he connected what he could do because of his knowledge of her. So he was growing in the knowledge of her will. Can we just agree that would be really awesome to pray for people that they would know God like that? Wouldn't it be awesome to pray and say, God, we want people to know you like that. We want people to know you so well that when things come at them, they know exactly what you would want from them because they know your will. So what Paul prays for here and what we should pray for people we love is this. God, we want them to know you so well that when life comes at them hard or fast or hurtful or you bless them, that they will know what does God want. See, God's will is not just about future decisions, which, by the way, is a good little sidebar for those of you, maybe young people, trying to decide who am I going to marry, where am I going to go to college. Don't you dare start praying that just when you need an answer, like God's your genius, and whoop, he'll make a decision for you. Because God's will is all-encompassing, it involves all of our life, and we ought to pray all the time, God, help them to know you so they can know what you want. That's what the word will means. To know God is to know what He wants. To be completely saturated with a spiritual understanding of who God is such that we know what He desires. That, that, that's something we should pray for, don't you agree? Notice, secondly, what happens. Because the knowledge of this will, there's the word knowledge, is not just an intellectual knowledge. Don't, don't miss that by thinking, oh, so I just going to be smart. 
just got to know what the Bible says, or I just got to hang around church. No, because he says that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And it's great that the Bible puts it this way, because what we find here is two things. Number one, this knowledge and understanding, it's spiritual, meaning God has to give it to you. And secondly, it happens by his spirit. So this isn't just information or facts. This isn't just knowing Bible references or knowing what's in the Bible. This is understanding what the Bible says, and it gets in your heart. This is the spiritual understanding where you see what God says in His Word, you know it applies to you, and you say, yes, that's for me. That comes from God by His Spirit. Which is why there's some of you here this morning who you'll walk out of here, and you're just like, I don't get this. I do not understand it. Or you get mad inside. You're like, this is so dumb go to church, waste all this time here, this person speak all the time, you walk away, and to you, it's just completely stupid. You know, the Bible talks about that and why that happens. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. You see, to know God like this, to know what He wants, is not just about intellect, it's not just about smarts, it's not just about information, it's about this spirit-word encounter. It's about this, this spiritual understanding that comes by the Spirit. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 2. Listen carefully. It says this, Now we have received the Spirit, we have not received rather the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Verse 13, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And verse 14 is the critical verse. The natural person, meaning the person who's never given their heart and life to Christ, the the person they're trapped in their sin, they do not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to Him. They're foolishness. They're stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. He has blinders on His eyes. He cannot see. So, This is a person who we pray for and say, God, we want them to know you, but in order for them to know you, God, we want you to wake them up that they're not as smart as they think they are. Know anybody like that? They're so smart that they've they've reasoned God out of their life. And that's really dumb. They're, 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 They're stuck on having a mentality that says, I've got to have it all together in order for it to make sense. And I'm not saying that Christianity is illogical, but what I am saying is it's not all logic. There is a spiritual encounter with the Spirit of the living God where He takes a truth and He drives it into your heart. And there's this this trigger that happens that the Spirit opens your eyes, you see the truth, you hear it, you know it's God speaking to you, and you know God is directing my heart, and that is a gift from God that should not be resisted. And some of you have, you won't ever get what's in the Bible, you won't ever get church, you won't ever get why... What, what it is that happens in the context of a Sunday morning service until you accept this most foundational truth that God is holy, you're a sinner, you need to repent, you have to trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and knowing God starts or ends there. And you can't, you can't understand what the Bible says until you come through that particular truth. 
So what does God want? You may, God may have you in a position where you've said that. You've, you've, you've looked up to the blue sky and you said, what do you want? And the answer first is, I want repentance. I want brokenness. I want you to acknowledge you're messing up your own life and you need my help. That's where true knowledge of God starts. And some of you, when you think of this prayer, you're like, yes, God, do that, do that, do that to my son. Do that. Some of you as parents pray very risky prayers, biblically so, and say, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, just get him there. Just get him there. Remember, there's only one prayer here. The prayer is, I want them to know you. God, I want, I want them to know you. It can be prayed for a son who's the smartest, most intellectual, got it all together young man who's in rebellion against God. He has got it all figured out, and he's got nothing figured out. It could be a, a daughter who grew up in a godly home. She's confessed Christ, but she's drifting further and further away. And she's hanging around with young men who she says she's trying to win to Christ. But the reality is just feeding a soul. It could be prayed for a person who's in the midst of a really hard time, who's trying to understand why this is happening and how it connects to God's purposes. You could pray this for the Cuppy family today. God, help them to know you. Help them to know you. Help them to know you, to really know what you want. It could be prayed for a godly child who's got so much potential. A little boy growing up in your home, a little girl, and you look at them and go, man, God, you could really use them. And you go into their room at night and put your hand on their head and you just pray, God, I want them to know you. I want them to know you. And then it could also be prayed for your own heart. Maybe the thing that God is saying today is, look, you can pray this for others. That's awesome. But the reality is, I want you to pray this about your own heart because you don't know me like you should. So Paul says here that he prays for this church that they would know the knowledge of his will. The second thing is he prays a derivative of that, that they would know you. But then he helps us understand what that would look like. And he says that they would have lives that would please you. So, Lord, help them to know you so that they will please you. And then what he identifies here are some things that make sense if you really know what God is like. Things that both fit and things that function with the gospel. Verse 10 helps us understand what it is that fits. It says that you would have the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's verse 9, verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Just savor that. Worthy of the Lord. So you're going to walk in a manner that's worthy of Christ. See, it means that you understand who Jesus is and your prayer is help them to know who Christ is so when they have their lives that it will fit with who Jesus is. You see, the thing is, is, is when you know what Jesus is and what he's all about, the stuff that doesn't fit him is kind of obvious. It's like when someone gets a, a bad tailor job, right? And suddenly you realize, hey, dude, man, that doesn't fit. It's as obvious as anything else. So can we just agree that Joe Bartimus and I have a little different um, size? Can we agree with that? So I asked him if I could borrow his coat. I thought about actually starting my message like this and putting this coat on. Now, some of you aren't going to remember anything else from this message, but you're going to remember this awful image, okay, of me with a really bad tailor job, okay? So if I walked into church, you know, if you love me, you go, hey, man, you got, like, your kid's coat on or something, you know, because that's not fitting you really well. It's, like, so obvious, right? Your arms look like, you know, ape arms, and it's just not working, man. You got the wrong coat, right? It's so obvious. Listen. When it comes to who Christ is, that's the idea in this text. 
It is that if you know who He is, then you will also know the stuff in life that doesn't fit with who Jesus is. And we need to pray that for some people in our lives and say, help them to get it, Lord. Help them just to know that this young man doesn't fit with you, Christ, in our daughter's life. He just doesn't fit. His job, his job just doesn't fit. This, this relationship, it just doesn't fit. This, this addiction, it just doesn't fit with you, Christ. It's like a bad tailor job. And would you help them just to open their eyes and look in the mirror? It's a life that pleases Christ. And we pray, Lord, open their eyes, unlock their deaf ears, help them to see. Jesus is filled with joy when he sees the glorification of God multiplied in our lives when our lives fit with him. It's like a mother who 22 years after her wedding day sees her daughter in her wedding dress and the joy that she feels as she sees her coming out of the dressing room and she sees her dress on her daughter and she says, Ah! And the dad says, What? You know, so... (laughs) she, She sees him, she sees her, she sees her, and there's something within her that just says, Oh, this is so... Wonderful, my dress on you. It's Jesus, righteousness on you. And he says, yes, that's what I gave my life for. It's also a life that functions. It's not just a life that fits, it's a life that functions. Paul would have nothing to do with this idea that that how you um, live or what you hear on Sunday doesn't affect your life on Monday. Just so you know, what happens here on Sunday is awesome and really important, but this isn't like real life. This is a catalyst to get you back out into the world so that you can function. The question then is, what does a functional life in obedience to Christ at the center look like? Well, the first thing is this. It functions with fruit that leads to a greater knowledge of God. Look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, and, and then he describes how we live lives fully pleasing to Him. First, we're bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, I take these to be all really one statement. They're all together. So I'm bearing fruit such that I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Here's what that means. It means that I do things in my life and God blesses them. I see the fruit that comes out and that fruit reminds me it's God working in me, not me. It's I see the good fruit and it helps me to know God even more. That I I, I do things, God blesses it, I see the fruit and I know I had nothing to do with it. It was God by His Spirit working in and through me. And that increases my knowledge of who God is and what He's like. This week, uh, John Schmidler took me to Saul to Paul Ministries, which is uh, a residential discipleship program for men with addictions. It's an amazing place. We sat around and just got to hear what God's doing in their lives, and I had the opportunity to share the Word of God with them. And then they just they, they sit around and, and, and tell you what they thought about what you said. That's kind of scary, but it was really nice because... They said, here's what God said to me today through the Word. I mean, it's like, boom, right there. Here's what God said to me in the Word like three minutes ago while you were speaking. And I'm seeing fruit. And as I'm sitting there just hearing guys after guys after guys, the Word, Spirit, power, I'm like growing in my knowledge of God as I'm watching fruit in their lives from the Word. We should pray that for people. God, as stuff happens in their life, help them not to take credit for it. As, as you As you give them... More power, more esteem, more acclaim. Help them not to steal it or touch it. 
So fruit that leads to more knowledge. The next thing is verse 11. What else pleases Christ? He said, this is unbelievable. Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power. We don't have time to go into all of what all these words mean. But strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Think of that. So he says, Lord, as strong as you are, as strong as you are, empower people to be strong. That's pretty strong. As strong as you are, God, pour your strength into them. How? For all endurance and patience with joy. I think behind the scenes, Paul is talking here about suffering. So how do we pray for people who are suffering? We pray, God, give them the power directly from you to help them be strong. We, we, we pray, God, in the midst of suffering, supply them with everything they need, the, every spiritual strength they need to bear up. By the way, bear up. They're not going to run from it. They learn how to bear up under it. When trials come, you don't run and escape. You find a way to discover God's grace so you can bear up under a trial. And by the way, in trial, God's grace is never as sweet as it is when you are under the pressure of trying to bear up under it. And so you pray for your brother or sister or maybe your own heart and say, God, help them to be strong. And then verse 12 says this, they're to give thanks. So we're praying, God, um, help there to be a, a knowledge of you as they bear fruit. Help there to be strength in suffering. And finally, help there to be gratitude in grace. Look at what he says in uh, verse 13. Or verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. College Park, what is that? That's the gospel. Here it is again. This is what we talked about last week. This is the gospel. And he's saying, Lord, as I pray for these people, as they bear good fruit, as they find strength in suffering, help them to be grateful out of their understanding of the gospel. I hope you understand that um, when you really understand who God is, then um, you'll be a person who sees life continually through the lens of gratitude for grace. And how you know if you see life through that lens or not is this question. When God does something hard or confusing, can you still thank Him? Or did you sign up for Christianity because it made your life better? And when you see a brother or sister whose cancer is coming back or hardship is, is, is right in the midst of their life, we ought to pray and pray hard. God, in the midst of this, help them to go back to the gospel and to root their gratitude here because when you strip everything away and all you've got left is the gospel, that's enough. It's enough. Maybe you know someone today who's got some hard stuff in their life and you long for them to learn how to root their gratitude in the gospel and so you could pray today, Lord, please help them to give thanks for all that you've done, which is why if you've never received Christ, why you've never turned from Christ, you have zero hope in the midst of suffering. None. Because you don't know the roots of all of the life of what the Bible describes, and that is a personal relationship with Christ. Remember the first truth that you have to believe before you can even understand the rest of the Bible? That first truth is that God is holy. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. It's Christ. I need to turn and place my trust in Him. And that is the ground upon which all endurance is built. So a life that looks like this, church, a life that knows God, a life that understands who He is, will yield fruit that leads to knowing God more. It'll yield a life that's strong in suffering, that results in, in gratitude to God. 
And I know that there's some of you, as we talk about how, who we should pray for, people you love, there's somebody who's right, boom, in your mind and heart. As I went over this message, I just I thought of where some of you probably are. I don't know all of you well enough to know all the dynamics, but I could guess. There's a couple of folks that are on my heart this morning. It's these. The, the first one is the person who who looks at this list, and and you've got a you got a, a young um, person in your home, or maybe a, a person who's growing in grace. And the first person I just want you to not forget is the person that you look at their life, and they're getting some trajectory, they're getting some traction, and you're really excited about what's going on in their life. So you're not looking at this thing, praying this negatively. No, you're, you're praying this over someone who's starting to go, and you pray over them. God, as this person grows, help them to keep going. And I want you to take this person, whoever this is in your mind and heart, and somehow in the next couple days, or maybe the next week, I want you to send them a note or an email, or just wrap your arm around them and say, Brother, I am so thankful for your growth, and you need to know, man, I am praying that you will know what God wants. I want you to be a kind of, I want you to be a rock of knowing God's desires, His heart. And so, I just want to encourage you to not forget the people around you who are really trying to grab a hold of grace and encourage them because we need to encourage one another, not just help those who are wounded. The second person that's on my mind is the person who, when you think of somebody who you want God to open their eyes, it's this person, someone for whom your heart aches. Somebody who all it would take is just a few seconds and your heart would, would show through your eyes, moved to tears. And my question is this, who is it and, and what is it that God is calling you to pray about today for this person? Who is the person that your heart would cry out, God, help them to know who you are. Help them to know that they're heading down the wrong path. I want them to have a life that pleases you, that functions, that fits. Open their eyes, God. And that's the group over here that... We're going to have you pray with some elders after the service to say, this, my son's name is John, he's here, and let's just pray. Pray that God opens his eyes. And over here on this side of the auditorium with some elders, there's going to be an opportunity for you to come and just pray and say, God, afresh and anew, on this day, I want to seek you that you would help so-and-so to know you. But there's one other person that I have on my heart today. And as all these people are up here, this group over here are the folks you know full well that somebody over here is praying for you. You know you're sitting like six inches away from someone's heart that you're breaking. You know very well that when your parents or when your spouse or when your kids pray, they're praying, God help my daddy know you. And the message for you today isn't pray this for somebody else. The message for you from God is this, enough. Enough breaking the hearts of your kids. Enough breaking the heart of your spouse. Enough breaking the heart of your God. Today needs to be a day where you say, enough, I'm done. I choose to decide to say, I want to know you, Lord. Because at the end of the day, there's not like four prayers, there's not three prayers, there's only one. It's this, God, I want them to know you so their lives will please you and maybe you're here this morning you don't know christ and maybe you're on a bad path and you'd come pray with some elders and say yep that's it i don't know him and my life doesn't please him 
So, Lord Jesus, now as we respond to your word, I pray that you would, right now, Lord, open blind eyes, unlock deaf ears, that you'd bring spiritual understanding, strike it, Lord, strike the heart. Ask our elders if you'll come up at this time. Again, we've got two groups. One to my right, one to my left. The ones to the right are those folks that your heart breaks for someone who you know and love and you just want to be prayed for. To my left, you're the one being prayed for. You know it. Or maybe you should be and no one else knows it. You're sham. Today you just want to come as an evidence of your obedience and say, yes, Jesus, it's me. So College Park, while we're just in an attitude of quiet prayer, Lori's going to continue to play. And I'm just going to open it up right now and invite you to come and pray with one of our elders over a son, a daughter, a friend, a loved one, a spouse, somebody. We're not going to stand or anything. Just remain seated. And some of you come, find one of our elders. Let him know the name. That's to my right over here. To my left. Would be somebody who would say, I'm probably on the list. I need to be prayed for. If you see a friend of yours that's come, nothing wrong with you walking with them. Maybe a wife grabs her husband's hand and says, let's go, come on, let's go. time between services don't not come because you say there's too many up front and you'd say my heart breaks my friend, my brother my child or maybe you'd still be bold enough to say I'm the one, I'm the one, my heart's cold I don't know him, I don't please him therefore I want to come and just pray be prayed for rest of you College Park church family you ever had a moment when God was dealing with your heart and you just needed to be able to linger and just pray those are sweet times as we end our service this morning I'm just going to pray and invite you just to quietly make your way out folks are going to come in I just want to reserve this front area just for people to just do business with their God I'll still be our elders will be up here if you need prayer in the interim between services, please come. And so, Father, I ask in Jesus' name for you to do a work in our hearts today of restoring hope, reassuring our hearts, giving us faith to believe. And I pray for my brothers and sisters over here whose hearts ache today for a loved one. God, get them. Get the child. Get the son. Get the daughter. Get the husband, the friend, the person in the flock group. God, we ask you in Jesus' name to open the eyes of people we love. Thank you, Jesus, by your Spirit for working in our lives this day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.